Everything in this universe has a beginning. The Big Bang. The formation of nebular matter into stars and planets. The first collections of amino acids in the Earth's oceans. The first creatures to leave them. The first mammals. The first primates that walked upright. The first religion. The first printing press. Pump up your space boots and phone home. It's time for Let's Find Out with co-host Diego. Live. To take from the mothership. It's Let's Find Out with co-host Diego. Bigfoot, UFOs, Stargates, Let's Find Out. Paranormal, Intelligent Design, Entertainment, Let's Find Out. You're listening to Let's Find Out with co-host Diego. Live to take from the mothership. Welcome to another episode of Let's Find Out with co-host Diego. As always, thank you for taking this journey with me. On this episode of Let's Find Out, our guest is a longtime middle school and high school teacher who enjoys occasionally sharing his stories of his lifelong fascination with mysterious cryptic monsters. His latest book, Tomato Fields, tells us a story about disappearances and a threat that's haunting the townsfolk by a mysterious creature. Tomato Fields is available on Amazon, it's on paperback and Kindle edition. Please welcome to Let's Find Out, author Tim Moon. Tim, welcome to Let's Find Out. You know, I'm, I'm super happy to have you on. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and now uh, we've been talking about this for several weeks, and I, finally with our busy schedule, uh, we managed to have some time to sit down and talk about Tomato Fields, and we were talking about right before the show starts, because normally there's like a pre-show questions that we back and forth, and then something that caught my eye on one of your um, social media posts on, on Twitter. And normally I like to warm up to these things later down the road, but I'm going to bring this right off the bat. Um, there's a tweet that you posted, and it's something that inspired your book, and the tweet goes a little like this. The terrifying real-life encounter that inspired my book, Tomato Fields. Off the bat, super interested in what that means because I've had experiences as well and I don't write books. My books are verbal and I have the podcast, but can you please um, just expand on that? Sure. Uh, I, uh, I've i always been fascinated by the subject since I was a boy and I watched the movie um, Creature from Bogey Creek and uh, it's a hokey movie when you watch it today, but it, for back then it, it just lit up everybody's imagination and uh, I uh, so I had always been interested and listened to stories and and paid close attention when I came across something but I didn't know that my brother had any connection or, or interest in the subject at all and we were uh, uh, doing some work together I live in Texas and he lives in Washington so I was up in Washington we were doing some work for my uncle and I uh uh, like finding Bigfoot came on or something like that. And and I asked him what's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to him uh, and not expecting at all to get the answer that I got. But he pretty much described the Class A sighting with Bigfoot where he was about 70, 75 yards from it and um, it screamed at him. And I mean, the whole, the whole shooting match and he ran in the house and almost wet his pants. And uh, 
So I can explain that story in more detail if you want to. But but that was the first time I had heard that, and it kind of shocked me because, you know, it's not every day you run into someone that's had that kind of experience, especially someone you know. And um, so he explained the whole thing to me, and it, and at that time I was already toying with the idea of using fiction as a means of attracting people to the subject and legitimizing the subject because you can do that with stories. For facts, they can always get rid of the facts and poo-poo the facts. And, but, right. but when you start telling stories, regardless of whether they believe it or not, I think it 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 kind of drills into their conscience. <laughs> and and it'll it it. So I was hoping I could use fiction as a means of of um, attracting people to it and giving it some legitimacy, if, if that makes any sense. So I just said, well, this story is great. I'm gonna bounce off of it and and see where I can go with it and that's what happened that's where the book came from now I mean if you don't mind and you mentioned about if you wanted to go more into detail about the story I know I'm interested I know the listeners would be as well if you if you care just to uh, give us some of that in Joe's story my yes, sir. story yeah he was out uh, he had bought some land in Mason County Washington just up above the Hood Canal Hook and he was a contractor so he was uh he bought land that he was eventually going to build on and he lived there on the weekends and he was in seattle working during the week and he was back in saturday it was in around august and he was outside in the in the early evening very early evening working on his the lights on his trailer and he smelled something very strange um the, the putrid type really bad smell that he'd never smelled before and so he started looking around and and then he looked up about 75 yards from him up up the hill by a light pole i can send you the picture of that light pole if you want to see it but of course he uh he uh it stepped out it stepped right out in uh right there by the light pole right out of the trees and and uh it saw him and he saw it, and I pretty much eye to eye, and and then it let out a huge scream, started screaming really loud and long. I don't know if you've ever heard some of those on on tape, but it it it's pretty frightening. <laughs> and he at that point ran as fast as he could for his house, and he grabbed his shotgun and he closed his door and looked out the window in his door. And it was still screaming, you know, at him at that time. And he he was pretty sure it was coming to his house. And, and there would have been nothing he could do to stop it from breaking the door down. Its head came up about eight feet tall. It, it was it was up to about, we could measure it on the pole, because there's a place on the pole that I'll explain to you that's 10 feet high. And it was about two, two feet lower, two, one to two feet lower than that. So that's what he said, and he thought he was gonna be lunch, <laughs> and but it just turned around like they often do and walked back into the woods, and uh, that was the only time he ever saw it again. He smelled it and heard it one other time, and um, but he never saw it again. And uh, but I was amazed that there was. Because that's everything you can have in a Bigfoot experience other than getting attacked is what he had. And um, that just doesn't happen very much. So it was pretty – I thought it was kind of cool. 
No, that's a fascinating story. And when when you're saying face to face and being close, about the proximity from your brother to the creature, did he say about how many feet, or was it like well, eye dot? About seventy five yards. So seventy five yards. Okay. Yeah, I'm guessing this. I've walked it, so I'm only guessing it could be, could be fifty, sixty. But it was close enough. He saw his eyes very clearly. They were big and black, and uh, they he was staring right at them. They both were staring eye to eye with each other. And it could have, knowing how those things, how fast they are, it could have eclipsed seventy yards really fast. <laughs> right, and it's lucky it, that um, your brother didn't have the appearance of posing a threat. I mean, it's far enough anyway, so I guess, you know, the creature did its job by scaring somebody yeah. off. Yeah, uh, my guess is he he was as surprised by Joe as Joe was by him. And he probably was trying to go get some water or something. Uh, there's some cricks down there. And, um, and he just was pissed because Joe was in the way. And he, he he just stopped going that direction, so I don't know what he decided to do or why, but he turned around and went back into the woods. And when he approached it with the story, how did it how did it come about? Because sometimes I've I've known people or heard story of people who've had an experience and they're a little reluctant into even mentioning to a friend or a family with um as far as how they would react. Yeah. How did he bring up the subject? I asked him. Something weird ever happened to me, or the weirdest thing that ever happened to him, and he he was reluctant. He he never told anybody but me. Uh, if it wasn't for me, he would have never gone on the podcast. <laughs> and he just doesn't want to be called stupid. And even with me, sometimes he would get real touchy if I if I didn't uh, if I even looked like I was uh, thinking he was dumb or crazy. He just does. He's just not into that. And so. He knows he saw what he saw, and he knows he doesn't want to see it again. <laughs> and uh, he always tells the story the same way. He never changes anything. So I'm, I'm, you know, I don't think he would ever lie to me. And uh, he's really scared when he talks about it. So you know that's that's interesting because there are those that would go out and merchant their stories to try to either make money or make themselves a center of attention. And this is how. You can decipher from a person that's had an actual experience to those who made uh, made it up because I know that there's things I've experienced where I'm not going to tell a whole lot of people what it is I've experienced because sometimes it's frightening or it's very personal. So I can see why he would be reluctant to telling other people or just a few people sharing the story. But let's talk about something else. Let's talk about also your experience. Well, I've never had a. I've never had seen anything like Bigfoot. I've 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 had uh, you know a couple of ghost experiences and I've had a UFO experience, a couple of UFO experiences, but that's as much as I've had. I've just always been fascinated by it. And I've I've seen things in the woods that might be, you know, and I know enough to know what to look for. And we I've found things that I wonder about and think might be, but I can't can't say for sure right and what that's interesting because now i know we're getting away a little bit from what we're going to talk about but your ufo experience if, if you care to share a little bit about that because that's uh that's icing on the cake for this one well it, it they're unrelated so right it, yeah and i was in a it, i used to i went to washington state university 
and uh, we went to a concert, and and we went after the concert. We were walking to the car, and I saw something. One of us, there was four of us, and I don't know who saw it, but there was a like a triangular shaped object, and it was up in the sky, uh, pretty high. It was about as high as an airplane, probably. Um, and it was it was not lit. It was just light. It was lighter than the dark sky, so we could see it because it was pretty. It was it was big enough to see with your naked eye pretty clearly, and it was moving around in kind of geometrical movements like triangles and squares and rectangles in a in a particular area, and all of us were seeing the same thing. And we were we were looking up and we were kind of lucky to see it because it wasn't lit up. We only noticed it because it was lighter. It was like gray, a gray black in with an outline or a frame of dark black. And it was moving in that frame. And it it did that for about 10 or 15 minutes and we watched it and that's all it did. It just kept doing it. We had no idea what it was. And that was 30 years ago. So, um, we we and then finally we got tired because it just kept doing the same thing so we got in the car and left and that was the last time i've ever seen anything like that could not explain what it was and uh now you're starting to see a lot about triangles yes so now now i i called a friend who was with me uh last year after these triangle things came out from the government and said are you seeing this i mean do you remember when we saw that and she said, yeah, I remember very clear. So we all saw it, but we didn't have a clue what it was. And now I think it's it's either something we were making or something they were making. You know, I don't know. It's a mystery. Right. And during that time, because when individuals have experiences, we'll go with the UFO route. Were there any electrical malfunctions in the vehicle that installed? Was it fine or? No, it, no problem. There's no problems, and I I doubt it knew we were there, you know, and mm -hmm. it certainly didn't seem like it cared who was doing what down there, you know. I when you're in an airplane looking down, nothing looks like it 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 is paying much attention to you. <laughs> so I'm sure that's how they feel, but I don't know. They may have known we were there, but but uh, nothing happened to our car. There was a crowd coming out. So we weren't there alone, uh, uh, and I don't know if that has an impact or not. But it was pretty interesting, though. I never thought, I never forgot it. No, I, I would imagine you wouldn't. And then, so going from there, we're going to talk about Tomato Fields. We were talking about your brother's experience, which has influenced some of the subject matter in Tomato Fields. Now, before that, because you and I are are similar where we've had a lifelong interest in cryptozoology and ufology and things like that. Were there any other things that influenced your writing? Any um, particularly favorite cryptid that, you know, in, in the whole totality of, of that field, source material that went into also into writing this book? Well, if I've listened to a lot of Sasquatch Chronicles, you're probably familiar with that. Yes. And I've been listening to Wes since probably the beginning of his show or very close to the beginning of his show. And the one thing I've noticed, I've listened to probably 
80% of the program fees done. And the one thing I've noticed that I just think is fascinating is that they just do crazy stuff. You know, the people do crazy stuff. The stories that seem the wackiest are sometimes the realest. And so instead of copying stories that I heard other people say, I, I just, based on some of the crazy things that I've heard and the, the ironies behind some of the activities that people report doing, by listening to lots and lots of encounters, and many of from Wes, I just made it, I just used my imagination and, and, and developed stories. None of these things in the book necessarily happened the way that it happens in the book, but there's enough crazy stuff that does happen in these real encounters that it's not unbelievable. I don't, stre I don't stretch the truth, I just reimagine it. And um, I like writing, I've always liked writing, and but I've always kind of made excuses for, for not doing it or finish not finishing things and I've said I'm done with that I'm going to finish this I'm going to and then I'm going to I'm going to write some more. No, that was uh, one of the questions I was going to ask with Bob because this was this this is your first book, correct? First novel. Yeah, first I novel. Did a short nonfiction thing before this, but it's the first novel. It's got pretty good reviews though. I mean, there's some criticism, but that's normal. Well, that's, that's everywhere, whether you're podcasting, whether you're writing a book. And that's, that's fine. You know, I think that's what makes everything more interesting. And are you going to continue the story of this, or are you going to do standalone yeah. stories? No, I'd like it to be a series. And I'd like, I'd like it to – like this one was in Mason County, Washington. And, and I'd like to go to different places and involve a couple, at least a couple of these characters that are drawn to other places and uh, because of similar types of experiences and then use it to add additional cryptic type stuff that I didn't have really time to get to here and also uh, highlight subjects or, or the types of uh, cryptid Bigfoot creatures there are in different parts of the world. Uh, I'm thinking the next thing is going to be something down here in Texas. Not very many people realize they have these things down in Texas because they just think of it as being flat and hot. But the national parks down here are pretty active. So kind of thinking about doing something down here as a, or maybe in Mount St. Helens. I'm toying with that too. And then maybe eventually to um, Australia or something like that. So it's just these things are all over the world and there's little different characteristics every place. And it, it'd be great to highlight that and use it to teach that to people. Yeah, and without giving too much away, can you give us a small glimpse into what Tomato Fields is about? Just a, uh, an animal starts harassing a household stealing animals and killing their their animals and and it draws in a sheriff and a deputy and in a small town where no one really ever had anything exciting happen and they uh they are forced into this situation where they can't explain anything that's happening and it forces them and puts a lot of pressure on them to solve a problem they didn't even know existed and it's a little bit like jaws on land Remember the movie Jaws? Oh yeah, unforgettable movie. Yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of 
similarities, although everybody knew there were sharks, but nobody understood white sharks. I remember when that movie came out, white sharks, were no, no one even knew what they were. And now everybody knows what they are. They even know what they look like. They can differentiate them from other sharks. But that wasn't the case when that movie first came out. And uh, there was a lot of mystery behind sharks. And, and uh, so this is similar to that. And um, they have to eventually hunt the thing down. And there's a lot of paranormal aspects to it. I didn't want to make commitments on one side of the issue of paranormal or real or flesh blood. So I wanted everyone to be able to read that and think that they were reading their side of the story, if that makes sense. A different character saw Bigfoot in different ways and approached him in different ways. And he does things that can't be explained just by normal physics. And I try to I try to keep that as part of the story. And then finally in the end it's the sheriff who really wanted to have some something exciting happen in life who <laughs> kind of regrets that then <laughs> and uh uh, and then uh, has difficulty finding closure. And you'll see that in chapter 30. And then I left the door open for it to continue. Uh, it's ex exciting. And, you know, you're talking about exciting as well. Before the show we started, I wanted to ask you about that book cover because I'm a big fan of that of that book cover. And you also said there's there's well, yeah, a little story I, behind that as well. Well, I, in, I was on Facebook on the the uh, Sasquatch Chronicles site, and I met some people, and one of them who I like a lot, we became friends, James Wayne, he wound, wound up doing the, the uh, cover design. Um, he's, he's a designer, that's what he does for a living, and, and uh, he told, he said something, mentioned something on a post about uh, Martin Hughes, who's his, one of his favorite artists, and he, he had drawn a picture of Bigfoot on his Facebook site. So I contacted Martin and told him what I was doing and sent him a few chapters of the book to give him a flavor and ask what he could do. And he wrote, he drew this picture right then within hours and sent it back to me. And it's never changed. It was just never changed. And so that became the cover, the picture, the, the illustration. And then James Wafer, both of them are from Great Britain, too. <laughs> and James Wafer took it and made the cover design out of it and helped me get that together and some of the formatting. And uh, the rest of it I had to do pretty much. I just had one help with some developmental editing from a guy. But I just was on a shoestring. I couldn't afford to, I mean, people put a lot of money into producing books. It could be eight to ten thousand dollars, you know, and I just didn't have that, so I had to just do it myself and and uh, and depend on other people like Martin and James to help me, and they did. They've done a great job, so so I'm pretty pretty lucky. I'm sure the listeners of Let's Find Out will be more than happy to either download or purchase a copy. So it's currently, I know it's available on Amazon. Where else is the book it's available on? It's Amazon in paperback and in and in uh, uh, ebook, and you can do it on Kindle Direct if you if you're uh, if you belong to Kindle Direct, you can read it for free. And it's all you have to do is put in the name and uh, my name if you want to, but you may not even have to do that. So 
but just put in tomato fields and my name, Tim Moon, and uh, it'll come right up. And you can get it either any way you like. We were talking about earlier about some of the um, source material, you know, your favorite podcast. You know, one of my favorite things, podcasts, or actually a radio show, Coast to Coast AM, is actually one of the main influencers as to why I started doing a podcast. The Art, Art Bell, Bell Classics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Art Bell tremendous. Was, Art Bell was a genius. Yes, yeah, absolutely. He's one of the greatest broadcasters, one of the two greatest broadcasters I've ever seen. I cannot, I cannot disagree with you. He was a national treasure. So when you listen to all the stories from the people on these shows, on the podcasts, on the radio shows, when did it finally click in your mind to put pen to paper and actually start writing the book? Because as you said, it's a big commitment. And I know that sometimes we have jobs that really take up a lot of our time. So when did, did it finally move you to start writing the book? Um, I... I've been working on it for 10 years, but I, about five years ago is when I really started hitting it. And I, and about two years, two years ago, I jumped on it and started and finished it. Because you keep thinking, you keep making excuses. That's the thing about a book is you, you keep making excuses. And if you've never done it before, everything you do is brand new. I mean, I knew how to write and I, I, knew how to think and I knew the subject matter but when you're when you actually have to follow through and do it there's a lot of self-doubt and there's a lot of reasons not to believe you can do this and not and most people don't give you any reason to believe that you can do it so you kind of got to fight through all of it yourself and and uh, so and then you have to learn a ton it's just a it's like getting a college degree everything you have to learn to to pull this pull this off and so but I really put the the metal the pedal to the metal about two years ago, and I finished the book, the first draft, first complete draft last summer. And then I spent the rest of the time re-editing, and re-editing and re-editing and revising. It takes it's constant. It still needs some. It's not perfect yet. It's much better than it's been, but. It's hard to get perfect without spending thousands of dollars on editing. And, uh, but it's really, I think it's really tight and I'm getting really good reviews on it. So, uh, but it, 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 it took me 10 years, but really it took me probably four years of solid work and thinking and learning. And, and if I had to do it again, which I will, I can do it all in, in a year. Because I learned how to do it, <laughs> so, but it's still going to take a lot of work. But I could do it much faster. So I hope that answers your question. Oh, it does. We're definitely looking forward for the for the second book in that series. So, and I know that it's available on Amazon. We talk about the Kindle edition. So for the listeners of Let's Find Out that we want to know more information about you and what's going on, what you're going to be doing next, where can they visit uh, social media and find out more about what it is that you're doing? I'm doing a lot on Instagram. You, I guess you can just look up my name, or I think I, I have it as Tomato Fields or Tomato Slash Fields uh, on Instagram. So I changed it uh, recently and put my name on there just because that's what I heard you, it works better. So Instagram's the best place, and it's really easy to message people on Instagram. It's a pretty great platform. 
and I didn't even do any of it, do Instagram until I published the book. But um, I'm also probably the best way to reach me is to uh, use my email. I, I'll send you my email. I started an email called Cryptic Mysteries, and I'll send that to you so you can put it in the notes. Absolutely. So you can and put you, all that in there. And it's funny you mentioned Instagram because I haven't been on Instagram maybe about three months. And I met a lot of great people, and actually Instagram's the reason how you and I connected. Right, right. It's I found it to be the best source of meeting people with common interests who um, that I've seen. I mean, Facebook is almost nothing. I mean, nothing happens on Facebook. And um, Twitter's all right, but I don't really get much. I only get I only get interaction on Instagram. And um, I meet lots of interesting, cool people. And so I've been really blessed by it. It's opening up a lot of doors for me to promote promote the book and meet new people. And I'm going to write a, a sequel to this. Uh, and I'm just thinking through it now. And then I'm doing some other stuff on spiritual uh, mindfulness and more non nonfiction books or two on spiritual development and uh, mindfulness and spiritual awakening, things that have happened to me in the last few years that I would like to share with people. So I'm going to be doing both of those types of books. That'd be great. And hopefully when, when you release the, your next work, if you don't mind coming back on, on Let's Find Out and sharing your story with our listeners, we'd be more than happy to listen to it. Yeah, I'd love to. So I'm thinking also about putting, you know, uh, I about maybe putting it in audio version, but instead of selling it as an audio book, putting it on YouTube. Because uh, yes, yeah, YouTube. It seems like it's something that people would like to be able to listen to on YouTube and have all the chapters on there. And so I'm toying with that idea too, because I know pe a lot of people like audio today, and and so I want to accommodate them. But it's about fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars to do an audio book. So. Again, it's an expense issue, and I have to be careful about that. But anyway, so that's down the road. I'd like to see this book, Tomato Fields, to be in audio form in some manner, and then have a sequel written and, and do both audio and and uh, book form for that. So that's where I'm heading. Awesome. We're looking forward for that to happen. The book, Tomato Fields, the author, Tim Moon. Tim? We really appreciate you being on Let's Find Out with me, co-host Diego, and uh, definitely looking forward to having you back on. And if you have any other stories or know of anybody that wants to share any stories, please send them my way, especially if your brother wants to expand on his story. I'm all ears, brother. Yeah, I, I'll ask him because he, he may, okay? I'll That'd be awesome. This has been another excellent episode of Let's Find Out with co-host Diego. Please check us out on all our social media pages as well as our new YouTube channel. As always, thank you for taking this journey with me. Until next time, my friends. Thank you for listening to Let's Find Out with co-host Diego. We're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Pocket Casts, and on Anchor. For more information about Let's Find Out with co-host Diego, please visit us on facebook.com forward slash co-host Diego, on Twitter at co-host underscore Diego, and on Instagram as co-host Diego. Copyright co-host Diego. All content for Let's Find Out.
is the property of co-host Diego and is served directly from our servers with no modification, redirects, or rehosting. All celebrity impersonators are paid performers. The impersonated celebrities do not endorse or promote any views or opinions expressed by our guests, co-host Diego, or Let's Find Out. The information shared on Let's Find Out is provided on an as-is basis with no guarantees of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness.